I'm Piers Morgan. Uncensored tonight. Campaigners from The Guardian, of course, where else, demand that Manchester's two famous football clubs ditch the ships from their crest because, get this, they might represent slavery. As the purge of woke history, of history, oh, I'm sorry, reached peak woke insanity. And not many street parties, coronation snubs from top pop stars and a no-show from President Biden. Is the crown losing its sparkle under King Charles or will our patriotic fervour return in time? We'll debate that. Plus, Ryanair chief Michael O'Leary says delusional Brexiteers will die off soon and that Britain will sensationally rejoin the EU. Is he right? Live. From the news building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. And it really is uncensored. Anyone who watched last night's show can be under no illusion about just how uncensored we are. Joseph Stalin's murderous Soviet Union wrote the playbook on airbrushing history. After every treacherous purge, statues of traitors were torn down, roads were renamed, books were rewritten. Heroes turned villains were even scrubbed from photographs. Until one day, it was bronzes of a tiny dictator himself being toppled and tossed into lakes. Over here in the enlightened West, we tended to do things rather differently. We learned from the horrors of the past and used them to build a better future, but not anymore. A multi-year movement to rename schools, hospitals, parks, pubs, streets, even entire suburbs over their historic links to slavery has reached, in my opinion, a now hysterical conclusion. Cultural vandals... Want, and, of course, they're at the Guardian newspaper. Where else would they possibly be, these woke wastrels? They want the crests on the badges for Manchester City and Manchester United, two of the biggest clubs in Britain and the world, to be removed because, of course, they're ships and, therefore, they must represent racism and slavery. Seriously? And in the irony of ironies, the seeds of this unhinged campaign, as I said, started by the Guardian... This is the newspaper which recently had to apologise because it turned out their own founders were linked to transatlantic slavery. So this is a kind of guilt-shaming from the guilty party. It's like a murderer telling us not to murder people. There's nothing more sanctimonious than The Guardian in full sail, for want of a better analogy. But should we really be taking lectures from a newspaper which has so disgraced itself with its own horrific links to slavery? Methinks not. In a self-flagellating 3,000-word lament, the paper says the ship has nothing to do with football and everything to do with the business from which Manchester made its money. The product of slavery became so subtly embedded in our culture that we celebrated it in our club badges without even realising it. Now, of course, these crests absolutely do not celebrate slavery. The ship represents the Manchester Shipping Canal, free trade, the Industrial Revolution... The two clubs were founded many decades after slavery was outlawed by the British Empire, I might add. But the demented quest to stoke grievance and signal virtue stops at nothing. We must continue always to feel ashamed about everything that's ever happened and be responsible and pay for it forever. And the incendiary campaign to conflate past and present is suddenly everywhere, isn't it? Lawmakers in San Francisco have held serious discussions about paying every black adult in San Francisco, $5 million in reparations for historic racism. And the former BBC journalist Laura Trevelyan recently donated £100,000 to Grenada, where her ancestors once owned slaves. And she's quit the BBC to campaign for more people, including the British royal family, to do the same. Just like the ridiculous crusade against historic symbols, 
This movement blames the evils of the past on the people of today, none of whom had anything to do with it, and most of whom, I imagine, probably condemn it as much as anybody else. We can learn a lot from the failings of the past, but first we must stop destroying it and stop apologising for it. Well, joining me now is the author and playwright Bonnie Greer, talk TV contributor and lawyer, Paula Rowan Adrian, and the podcast host of Across the Pond, Hotep Jesus. Well, welcome to all of you. Um, all right, Paula, let's start with you, because I know what you're about to say is going to make me infuriated and it's going to be utterly insufferable. Excellent. Uh, these are two crests that yes. carry images of sailboats. Yes. It's got nothing to do with slavery or racism. If that's your opinion, then you're entitled to have it's it. It's a fact. Well, you don't know that, Piers, and the historians are being asked to look into that. And that's what should properly happen, shouldn't it? Because when you tell us about history and how important history is, what we want to do is to ensure that we have got this right and we are going to grow from this experience. Yeah, I'm not growing not from going, it. I'm getting, we're I'm not growing, going to deny it, I am growing from this experience. I'm growing very annoyed. And, and, why and I'll tell you why. Why are we annoyed? Let me why tell you why. Why are we weary when we talk about slavery? No, no, we're not I'm not weary about that. I thought slavery... tired when I we thought, about World War I or World War II. Like everybody I know, I thought slavery was disgusting and I'm very, very glad that everyone came round to their senses it was disgusting and that Britain actually led the way in ending the damn thing. Of course I do. Slavery was disgusting. However, it turns out the historians say Manchester didn't adopt ships as an emblem until 1842. Apparently 35, 30, yes. 35 years after the yes. abolition of slavery. Yes. So they would have had nothing to do with it. And how do we know that? We don't know that. So what you are doing is you are taking one understanding of a situation. So you're believing the historians that no, suit your not, narrative. It's not what I believe, Piers. Let's be clear about this. We're having a debate. And that's what is important no, it's not, about it's not, Paula. It's to be able to have a debate about something that happened in history. We shouldn't be looking at pictures of, little pictures of, of ships on a footballer's crest badge. Who cares? Well, it's got nothing to do with it. Well, clearly, I'm sure the players at Manchester City and Manchester United, those who advocate, uh, you know, show racism the red card... No, here's what's going to happen. They will care no, about it. No, here's what's going to happen. The Guardian, which has just been caught with its racism trousers down, right, because it turned out they were founded by a bunch of slave owners, right, so they're the last people on earth to be lecturing about this. Is that this. right? Aren't they, aren't they the right people? No, they're not. They're not. Because I found their, I found their hand... Why, I found their hand-wringing over that utterly ridiculous. I'll tell you why. Well, they've apologised. Every anyone, single anyone family in Britain, if you go back far enough, you'll have people in their past, hundreds of years ago, who employed slaves, almost certainly. And therefore? And therefore we know that was wrong then. Why should everybody today who had nothing to do what with it think it was all terrible what is spend their entire time apologising for it? It's about education, yes. first of all. Just education. And the second thing it's about, and you know this, we always rewrite history. We wrote, we rewrote World War II because we found out about Bletchley. We didn't... A person who grew up in the 50s would have a different World War II than a kid now mm. because we found out about Bletchley. So we are getting more intelligent. What and is... that's one thing that's happening. And I mean... Bonnie, what, you can't on, be... Hang on, hang on. And, and the All other right. thing, the, the United Kingdom... Mm was actually on the side of the Confederacy during the Civil War and, in fact, was going to send a ship to the Confederacy to fight for it when it was stopped right, who's and warned to... by Lincoln okay. and paid an indemnity who to the United going... States. Who is going to pay me yes. and my family 
reparations for what the Vikings did to us? Well, I think you should seek it out. Who's going to? Explore it. Seek Explore it out. It. So, Explore literally, it. so we go back Educate over every it. invasion, okay. every and bad thing. I, and Hang on, let me, me. let me finish. It is the ideology let's try and have a conversation. Denial. No, it's, it's the not. Ideology of denial, it's not, I'm not denying please. anything happens. So then let's deal no, with it. No, what I'm saying is once you start this woke rampage, there is no end. A bit like the statues of historical figures. They're all... Guess what? Hang on, let me finish. Ladies. Give me a moment. All historical figures are flawed. You can find flaws in Mandela, in Gandhi and Churchill. It's why they had to be boarded up, their statues at Parliament Piers. Square, so the mob didn't attack them. Piers. But if we take this route, everything, all Piers. the time, we have to be apologising, paying for... But why? What, why does that move us wrong, on? What's wrong with an apology? Nothing is wrong with that. If you... I'm if, very sorry on, that hundreds on, of years ago on. people played It's not anything to do with hundreds of years. We acknowledge it. We always do that. That is what history Why does. should footballers have to remove crests it's not, that contain it's not images a... of ships which, according to many historians, were adopted as an emblem 35 years after slavery was abolished? Well, it was abolished, but it wasn't over. OK, and that's so the all point. Are all ships it, racist? Well, no, we don't know that, but we need to investigate it. Are all ships racist? We need to investigate it. Why not? What's all wrong ships, with that? All ships could be racist. No, why are you going to make a generalisation about it? You see how why ridiculous this sounds? No, that's a ridiculous point, and you are. That, right. You are. Yeah, I think all right. You are. So you think and we should... I think, I think you the think, Irish should think, talk to the, all, the Norwegians. No, I think... I, honestly, I've I think got, the Irish should talk to... And also, the Italians and the Romans. Why not? Why not? Why not? What's going to happen about the Romans? Why not? I need reparations for what Rome did to us. I think the Irish should talk to the Iceland. Oh, it's preposterous, Bonnie. It no, it's not preposterous. It's, it's good it's, dialogue. No, you know what it is? Here's what it is. It's exhausting. Well, that's different. I, honestly, well, you know this woke mentality is, is so exhausting. Is, I feel myself I'm literally so getting sorry. tired as I listen to it. I am sure being a black female can be wonderful. I can have its challenges. We don't need to have this kind of argument. Trust me, walking around being me ain't no better roses either. If you're talking about being exhausted, it's the exhaustion of the pursuit of knowledge. Let me bring in our very patient third guest from across the pond. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you've been listening to this. I'm under attack here. <laughs> nah, I know. All right. Uh, okay. my, my general point is this. I think so, slavery was horrific. I think if you basically chart back from almost any family in Britain and America, you'll find some evidence somewhere that someone in the family probably was employed in, in, in using slave, slavery uh, when it was going on. Uh, but I just don't understand the point of this constant series now of recriminations, reparations, apologies, guilt trips, and so on. I don't know what point it serves. I worked at, uh, at a tech company once, and we know how rife they are with leftism. And in casual conversation in the office, I said, you know, I want to be a national master in chess one day. And this white girl said to me, she said, don't you feel offended that they use the term master in the title? And I just looked at her like, you know, that thought never crossed my mind. The same thing if I were to go to the harbor and I would see a ship, I would not think of slavery. Right. There's a huge fascination with slavery amongst black people where our educational system, our upbringing has tied us to this travesty in human history and made us want to identify with it instead of identifying with richer parts of our history. Now, here's the issue that this comes down to. Um, women are going to see the world, frankly, different from men. 
women are very emotional. So, oh, of course, they're going to be worried about, this. you know, what's on the badge Who and all this, this stuff. When we look at the UK, right? <laughs> the UK has about 4 million starving children what is this? right now. And that doubled since the past two years. My brother, hotel. Do you think that children that are hungry care about some badges? They can't eat football badges. Brother, you know, what leftism does is they try to sidestep the real dilemmas and worry about all of these frills on the outside, on the exterior. Well, you know what, Hotep? Let me just, to the Hotep, of the apart from saying that you've made two really good friends here with your <laughs> women get too emotional. One from the south side of Chicago. Really <laughs> uh, impressed, brother. Like and I'll let you three deal with that after the show. But really the, impressed. I've got two things to say to what you just said. One is there was a genuine debate in Australia several years ago because an academic went on the airways and claimed that chess, which you just talked about, was racist because the white pieces went first, right? Mm. And I remember thinking at the time, the only time anyone in the world would think that that was the case was if some academic decided to pop his head up and go, it's racist. Nobody actually believes chess is racist for that reason. And secondly, yeah. on your second point about current things, I read today that there are between 7 and 8 million slaves in India alone at the moment. Now... Correct. Now, if the Guardian newspaper wants to launch a campaign against slavery in India, I'm all in. I'm all in for any current slavery going on anywhere in the world. I will join that campaign. But going back several hundred years to a spurious argument, which turns out may not even be historically correct, about badges on football players where they show ships, therefore all ships are racist and therefore they must be removed to me, is preposterous. Well, they did the same thing here in America. They wanted to remove Aunt Jemima from product packaging. They want to tear down statues. They're tearing down um, Lee, uh, Robert E. Lee, I believe his, his name was, famous general. His wants that to happen, brother. A, a, a whole bunch of people are involved in what... Uh, Jay-Z has a quote, it goes, moral victories are for minor league coaches. When you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of things, oh, you look at more important issues than just badges on a football Help uniform. Me. I just don't get it. Do you know something? Uh, you just used the phrase nitty-gritty. That itself has been banned now. No. Yeah. no it's not. No, yes, it has. No, it hasn't. No, I have seen people say well, that is a racist term. Yeah, well, yeah and, yeah, and, and, and historians listen, have told I, them I, they're wrong. I'm sitting right. here. So I'm you accept that these historians who pop their head up saying all this stuff can be it's been completely recent. wrong. It's First it's of all, debated. I want to get your collective reaction to the suggestion that this is really a female thing. That you I, women are a little over-emotional about badges. I've never heard a man say that. For a long time. Right. So that's... I think that's... What is your response to him? I would have liked to ask him what he thought <laughs> about the um, American football uh, clubs who have changed their names because mm -hmm. they referenced various members of, of, uh, of society who didn't think that it was appropriate that they should be um, called those names. We have... Uh, rugby clubs who have changed their names mm. because they didn't think that it was an appropriate... But we're not talking about... Uh, we're so not talking we about well, potentially uh, you know, inappropriate so when, or inflammatory names so, which have evolved over years. We're talking about images of boats. It also went with the They're emblem. boats. Well, I, I know we, what we, they uh, are, uh, but it's I, what I, they I, represent, can I just say, Yeah, Hotep, come in. Yeah, please, Hotep. Yeah, because she wanted to know my opinion on... It's I believe Paula. it's the Washington Commanders now. No, 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 we have names, brother. I'm sorry. We have uh, names, say that again? brother. Who's, who's the sister that uh, My addressed name is me Arnie. about the football? Now. Now, now we're sisters. 
That's so nice. Thank you. Proceed. Sister Paula? Proceed. It's Bonnie, okay. it's Bonnie and Paula. Uh, From the okay. south side of Chicago. Love y'all. Love y'all. Great okay, energy. Brother, keep and going. I'm on your side. And I'm on your side. But when I see a football team change its names yeah. to Commanders, you know, I, it's, I'm like, you know, th what is that? Are you insulted? Do you feel insulted? Do you feel insulted? Well, Commander is no, surely... No, I surely don't feel Commander insulted. Do you feel shaken up? Surely, here's no, the point. No, no. Hotep, what, 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 Hotep isn't the word Commander itself. It doesn't that suggest, you know, white <laughs> supremacy because most Commanders around that time were white. And you're so named, and you're named you change after, it to something that also is racist. There is named, no word you and, can and use. And you're named after an Egyptian pharaoh. So, you know, give us... Give us are you uh, offended by all of this or what? I'm not offended. Why would I? That's the whole thing. People are offended well, by the offended name of the team. By people wanting, I'm not offended. You're offended by, no, I'm not by offended. people. Listen, you're offended by people who want to actually pursue an injustice from the past. It's not a strange thing. It's not unusual. It is not. No, I'm not. Thing no, that, no, no, you, no, no. You can't conflate those two things. Oh, I'm doing it. I am. You, I, I, you, I am for that. Okay, I am for that. Yes, sir. No, no. What she said is just inaccurate. She tried to conflate two things. She tried to say, I didn't care about the travesties and conflate that with something about the football team is going to change that. Right. No, I agree with you. There are real issues that need to be dealt with. Changing the football team is basically not tackling the problem. Exactly You're ignoring right. it. Problem. It's a way to it waste time. It's a problem. way to waste a sir, budget. If, if, we, if we admit to, and this is in psychoanalysis, that there is such a thing as generational trauma, okay? It does exist. It does exist in families, and it can exist in a people. Now, I'm not gonna go all the way and say, do this, tear statues down, no. because I don't think statues, taking a statue down solves no. anything. You're gonna correctly. go after the badges on football. No, I'm no. not gonna go so after we're badges. We're going after the debate. But, but the debate is, is okay. The there is the no debate. There is a debate. Listen, listen. This goes back to the gender conversation. Everyone hold their horses, if that isn't a racist term. I don't know. Maybe horses get offended. Well, if you Everyone's, saying, it might be. Here's my point, Paula. Everybody is offended by everything. And so I once you, you once you assume that we have to start feeling guilty for our past, there is no end to it. But who's talking I about the Irish, I think the who's Irish should go guilt? after That's the Icelanders. That's a very emotional because, term because to use Because the Irish were enslaved by Iceland. I think they should it's do it. Why not? It's a very emotional term to use yeah. in a debate. All right. What I would love to do is have a campaign to close down The Guardian. I think that would be hugely popular. <laughs> well, right. I think because of their outlandish links to the slave trade, The Guardian should fall on their own virtue-signaling swords and close themselves down as a matter of... They should cancel themselves. So if you're watching Guardian Journalists, I know you probably are, I'm your guilty pleasure. If you're watching, cancel yourselves tonight. And they'll do what you it's say. It's the right yes. thing to do. do you are you tarnished by your slavery background and you must end <laughs> the Guardian newspaper as a matter of urgency in the national interest and then you can all run off and feel guilty for the rest of your lives about the shame and do, and, you have and wrought. And they'll do what you say. On everybody. And when you're writing out your cheque, Piers, you, I'll remind you how to spell my name. I know, good, name, good, I know how to spell your name, Paul. I know how to spell your name. He writes a check uh, to you. But this I'm is, first of all waiting for my check from the Romans and the Vikings, uh, <laughs> well, which I will be aggressively going. pursuing. Get it going. Uh, lovely to but see you both. A spirited debate, as always. And, and Hotep, thank you very much indeed over in America. Thank probably you. Quite, probably quite a good thing for you. You are several thousand miles away no, from these Hotep, two. No, Hotep, you, you're good. They're beginning good. to steam over. I think you got them with the emotion <laughs> line. Uh, thank you both, uh, all three of you, very much indeed. Well, Uncensored Next, protests... Very few street parties by comparison to previous royal events and celebrities snubbing the coronation. Even President Biden staying away. Is the post-Elizabethan crown losing its sparkle? We'll debate that next.
just over two weeks until the coronation of King Charles. So is the country and the world in the grip of royal fever? Well, not quite. When it comes to street parties, 16,000 were organised for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, but there's only been 361 applications for the coronation. This is reflected in a new poll, with 35% of Brits saying they don't care very much about it, 29% saying they don't care at all. Well, nearly 1,400 people expected to take part in Not My King protests. World leaders like President Biden and top pop stars have also been snubbing the coronation. Um, here's the White House's press secretary diplomatically trying to explain why. The president uh, had about a 25-minute, 30-minute call with uh, King, King, uh, King, King Charles III, and during which he congratulated the king. And they have a very friendly uh, conversation. They have a, a, a good relationship with the king. He talked about uh, how he enjoyed meeting, uh, visiting uh, the queen, I should say, back in 2021. The king offered uh, for him to come and do a state, a state visit, which, which uh, the president accepted. And, uh, and so they will see each other again very soon, and uh, I'll, I'll just leave it there. Have you ever heard a lamer, lamer or more tortured excuse for why the President of the United States isn't coming? So has the Crown lost its shine? Well, joining me now is author and historian Tessa Dunlop and King Charles's former butler, Grant Harrell. So welcome to both of you. Um, all right, Tessa, off you go. Has it lost its luster, the Crown? I think we've maybe got royal ceremonial fatigue. The Queen, God bless her, lived a very long time, so we had a golden jubilee, mm. we had a diamond jubilee, we had a platinum jubilee, we had a thumper of a funeral. And now the air's come out of the machine. And, you know, Piers, I missed you when you are in America, but I'm going to give some of the blame to people like you and people in the press peddling this kind of divisive narrative, making the scars in the royal family deeper than they really oh, needed to Oh, rather be. than the people doing TV interviews and best-selling books, trashing the royal family, who happen to be members of the royal family. They're not to blame. Of it's course. us reporting that... on the trashing that's the problem. That's it's a, it's a bit control. like Prince Harry saying, I never accused the royals of being racist, even though we all heard what him and Oprah, uh, him and Meghan Markle told Oprah Winfrey. No, it was the beastly media who for two years falsely reported it as racism until we've now corrected them. It's so good that you haven't lost your pizzazz yeah, on the other side of the Atlantic. The such, point being... Tessa, and, it's such horse manure. It's not, Let me bring Grant. in Grant. Grant. What do you feel about our coverage? Grant, you, you, you work with Prince Charles, yes. now, now King Charles. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited by the coronation. I am. And I think that the public probably will come round quite quickly, as they tend to do for these things. I think there'll be a lot of fervour building up to the coronation itself in that week. And I think we'll be surprised by the scale, actually, of celebrations for this. It's the first coronation in my lifetime, in most people's yeah. lifetime. With the first coronation in 70 years. And I've always said that with the Queen, obviously, we all, most people loved her, we respected her. As you mentioned, she had many jubilees and celebrations. This is a first for the King. You know, it's, it's a beginning for him with his new reign. And as you've said, it takes time. But I think, you know, I know there's saying popularity polls and everything, but from the people I speak to, people I know, a lot of people like him, admire him, respect him. Um, but so you're in the royal bubble, so's Piers. You're in this. I'm media not in any bubble. royal bubble. We are in a bit of a cushion bubble where we hear all about the coronation, drip fed into our inboxes. Oh, this is happening. Oh, that chair's being polished. Oh, she's wearing that mm. crown. Actually, it's quite there exciting. Is, but, but it is for you. <laughs> I mean, partly because it butters your bread, and why not? But but beyond the, the sort of central London chatterboxes, who's this really speaking to? You know, in Europe, can you tell me when the last coronation was in Europe? 
I don't care. Well, I care. 1922, Piers. So? What is Britain doing still wandering around with baubles in a cost of living crisis? I think that the apathy Because actually, the monarchy, the monarchy remains something that the vast majority of this country still respects. And you can have a monarchy. like and have. And I, I think the, the trouble is, you see, you being a, a key supporter of the Duke and Duchess no, of... Of, misrepresentation. Of, of whining. What, the damage that they've done, Grant, I think is actually quite calculable now. Well, you can see a lot of the reaction, especially in America, I've just been, a lot of them saying, yeah, the trouble with the royals is they're racist, aren't they? And they're callous and they're horrible because Harry says so. I mean, it's really quite been quite it's, marked it's, and damaging. It's certainly been uh, upsetting. I mean, I, I felt sorry for the Queen because obviously at the end yes. of her life, this is what was all going on. While Philip was um, dying, while he was she dying. was dying. I, I agree. There's these two and yapping away, pouring more and more could, manure could you, over them. Could you imagine if it was a former staff member doing it? You know, it'd be shut yes. down. It just wouldn't happen. But can um, we be honest, Grant? I bet you and Piers, certainly Piers, if I know you even one iota, was just an eensy-weensy bit disappointed that Meghan isn't going to be at that conference. Why? I don't I think... No, I, I think... I'll tell you why I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed Harry's going to be there. I'm very disappointed that Charles, although I completely understand it as a father, why he's felt the need to do this. He doesn't want to be seen to be the, the bad guy in the, in the whole thing. But what the hell is Prince Harry doing? Having trashed the family in that, that horrible book he wrote, the terrible series they've done, the interviews they've done, trashing, 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 trashing damaging the institution of the monarchy, damaging the royal family, and then they have the brass neck. He turns up at the coronation. Well, we know I that. We know why he's doing it. By the way, we know why he's doing it. He's doing it because I suspect Meghan Markle has gone, you better get over there and get on that balcony somehow because our entire commercial world depends on you still being a, a dominant member of the royal family. Let's take a, let's take a reality check on the idea of money in the commercial world when today we've just seen it released after comprehensive investigation by The Guardian. The king is the richest royal ever seen by world kind. Is it 1.8 billion pounds? The sovereign doesn't have to pay inheritance tax. Mm. You can feel a bit of sympathy for Harry. He's been totally I have, I zero, I know, I zero, I It zero. all goes Queen, Charles, no, because William. Charles, because... That's where our national wealth yeah, goes. I, I, they should be paying is, for the coronation. He, no, not donating some money. I'm sure I read somewhere that he's, he's donating some of the wealth mm. or something. Um, you know, and I know, you know, you could argue about the amount of money they've got, but at the end of the day, I think they're good value as well. I think what he does, totally. the work they do... They don't pay any inheritance um, tax. They're living in a different fantasy land. They're members of, of, a, of an institution which actually so pays for itself. Really? The tourism money that comes in alone yes. pays for the costs of us upkeeping the royal family. I get it's that, but if you got to hand your mansion to your children, they could pay for themselves. They play by a different set of rules. Yes, they do. Which is why we judge yes, them they do. And with by a different the way, set of rules. And in return, they live in this endless goldfish bowl. They don't have a lot of the freedoms that we enjoy. And they do an unbelievably large number of duties a year, which, mm -hmm. by the way, your two heroes over in California, they do zero. They do zero. All they do is take their royal titles and sign massive contracts with companies who only want them for one thing, to trash the family again, which is what they keep doing. And that's my argument against them. But maybe the bigger argument is, if the coronation is a bit pared down, if it doesn't deliver the razzmatazz that some people expect of it, Maybe that's a reality check. We go forward, but with a pair down. Yeah, but the one Smaller thing this country... The one, one thing, that we don't look, the one up thing, all the time. Once we've gone through the... In my, I mean, I voted against it, so I can say this. Once we've gone through the ridiculous farce of Brexit, which is just clearly not working and is actually damaging the country, or now, how many years after it? I mean, seven, eight years seven. after the vote, right? So I just see no evidence of this thing working. Um, so we've become ever more insular. And people look at us and they see Boris Johnson, rid ridiculous, Liz Truss, ludicrous... 
we become a laughing stock. The one thing that we do better than any other country in the world is pomp, pageantry, yeah. military ceremony, and we're putting the whole shebang on in two weeks' time. And it's a moment for the light of the world to shine on our country, and we can feel proud about and it. And it picks people Rather up. than feeling ashamed and embarrassed because Boris has done something stupid okay, again, but, or Liz Truss has tanked global but, but markets, right, or whatever it may be. But, but, Piers, if we want to feel proud again, then let's take away the bile, let's draw away the soap opera, the and let's just enjoy it. The bile is coming from Harry and Meghan. But no, because we stoke it. It's Look constant at us talking about We're it. not let's stoking stop. it, they're doing it. Let's join together. I'm the happy, the by media, the way. The media can't ignore two members of the royal family publicly trashing the royal family. It's obviously a huge news story. But They've got to stop it. Can I also say with a coronation, any big celebration with the royal family, it brings people together. That's one thing I've noticed. Yes. Look at them out. Look at them out. And also, each year they bring in over 500 million from the tourist industry. Can you imagine what they're going to bring in with the coronation weekend? The amount of people are going to be Huge. In Absolutely the, the huge. The great news is Harry goes home after the show on the Sunday. That is good news. And yeah. I've kept my Sunday free for lunch mm. with you, Pip. No, the good news is he is going straight home. <laughs> uh, and that is his home. His home now is in Montecito in California in a massive mansion he got because he sold his family out. There's a word for that, and it's called traitor. Anyway, lovely to see you again, Tessa. Nice of you to make your comeback on our show. Uh, and good to see you too. Uh, good to see you. All the best. Uncensored next. How does comedy survive in an age where just about everything is offensive? Well, comedian and Fox News star Kat Timp is next. She's written a great book about this. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. To Piers Morgan Uncensored, and the words of Ricky Gervais, there'll always be somebody offended by a joke. He's not wrong. In a world where little ships on football shirts are deemed offensive, and an almost endless list of people, products, books, brands, movies, ideas, and dead historical figures have all been cancelled, how is it possible to still be funny? Well, my next guest has some ideas. I'm joined by the comedian of Fox News star Cat Tim, who has a new book out called You Can't Joke About That. Cat, good evening to you. Good evening. I love this book. I love everything about this book because, my God, we need this book. What has happened yes. to a world where, in America and Britain, two of the greatest democracies in history, people are now too scared to tell a joke in case they literally get cancelled? Yeah, and there is such this misconception, right, that there's free speech on the one side and then there's sensitivity on the other side. 
That's really wrong because, I mean, I write in my book about a lot of traumatic things that I've been through, mm -hmm. and every single one of those things was made worse by the pressure that I could feel other people felt to speak to me so carefully and not say the wrong thing. Because then in addition to dealing with something traumatic, like the death of my mother mm. or a medical situation that was very serious. I then also had to feel isolated from other people who were terrified around me. And what actually did help me was making jokes about those things that you're really not supposed to joke about. Yes. Because laughing at something is so healing because it takes away its power. Yes, and it used to be that what they called, you know, dark humor, black humor, about things, which is where you would laugh sort of, you know, in serious situations. It used to be celebrate as a kind of a well-known comfort blanket to get through the difficulty in life. But now it's become a, a case where even in your difficult moment, someone says the wrong thing, they have to be cancelled. Therefore, the whole thing gets even worse. Absolutely. And I just don't know how these are standards are put into place for, to be sensitive to people going through tough things. Because research shows that, you know, everybody knows that you can't make fun of, for example, a terminal illness or make jokes about a terminal illness, except for the people who are suffering from terminal illnesses, mm. who rate humor as higher than solemnity and what helps them to get through that and feel better. In, in some cases, even higher than actual physical pain relief. I know when I was really struggling, I read about this in my book, in Los Angeles, I was alone, I was really broke, uh, things were going really, really bad for me. And I started doing stand-up comedy because I really just felt so powerful over these things that are making me feel powerless. And also, being on stage and having people laugh, that became my only means of connection, really, during the loneliest time of my life. And it's really, really sad to think that we might be losing that. Well, you talk... I mean, you talk with unbelievable honesty. And it, honestly, it's a fantastic book for that because it gives it such a, a raw, real quality about why comedy became your saviour, in a way. Because you went through so much and you talk about grief and relationship breakups and you know, quite serious illness, all these things. But the common thread with all of it was that somehow you found a way to laugh. And, you know, when I was young again in my family, it was always, you know, laughter's the best medicine. You know, along with a large scotch... Have a laugh would be the mantra. But now it's not like that. Too many people are like, well, you can't, you know. As you say, when you're in a very awkward, difficult, sad or whatever, you know, horrible situation, actually it's the best way to lighten the load. But if you lose that, the load never gets lightened. Yes, and also with every tough thing that you go through, the one I suppose bright spot in that is by going through it, you're automatically building a connection with everyone else mm -hmm. who's been that, through that thing too. But what's the use if we can't talk about it? We can never make those connections if we're too afraid to talk about it and say how we really feel or even make jokes about it that other people might find healing and might make those people feel less alone. Right. I mean, I, I, my mom, as she was dying on her deathbed, knew she was dying, she was making jokes about it. Mm. And I remember looking at her and I remember learning, really, even more than I already knew, Okay, if she can joke about her actual... There's nothing more serious than dying. Right. And if she can joke about that, we all can joke about anything. Well, my favourite joke when I grew up was what was written on the hypochondriac's tombstone. Told you yeah. I was ill. Told you I was ill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, but that, yeah. that was my favourite joke. I love that joke because yeah. it seemed to me just very funny. To me, that's so normal because other than being born, the only thing we really have in common is that we're all going to die. Yes. And 
we just have really created the wrong rules, I think. I think a lot, and the, the reception of this book has been great. I think a lot of people, I've, I've been overwhelmed with the stories that I've heard from people who say that this resonated with them in one way or another, because I think a lot more people really do feel this way, but they're afraid to say so. Yes. And we, we've wound up creating the wrong rules in society, where people are saying, oh, you can't say that, you can't joke about that, when really inside you know that you can. But that's really hurting all of us because we all kind of agree and have more in common than we really would just if we could just talk about it and joke about it. We'd all realize that we, we all deep down do know it. You, should there be any limits? I mean, Ricky Gervais's view is that once you start making exceptions for anybody, well, then you, you never stop. You know, it's a bit like the cancelling of historical figures or statues, or whatever it may be. Once you start that path. So in, with humour, should everything be be on limit for humour? Yes, I think that everything, absolutely. And I think that actually the darker and more traumatic something is, the more important it is to be able to make jokes about that mm. because what needs the healing power of comedy quite like the dark stuff, right? And I mean, I also really feel like intention is the most important thing. Mm. Intention, was someone intending to make you laugh and entertain you or were they trying to be hurtful on purpose? There's this idiotic school of thought out there now that if someone says something offen is offensive, they're automatically right, and it doesn't matter whether they intended to be offensive or yeah. not. How could that possibly be true? It's not true when we talk about murder or if someone kills someone in an accident versus planning a murder. Mm. How could we not have that same standard for jokes? It doesn't make any sense. And I think that if someone was trying to make a joke, and although you might be hurt by it, you should really be measured in your reaction because not only are you maybe setting up a standard for yourself to get canceled, you might make other people afraid to make jokes about other things that you might need at some point in your life. And Kat, if I just told you you had 60 seconds to live, and obviously we'd both find that hilarious, given this conversation, yeah. but if you had 60 seconds, what, what joke would you tell? What would be your last joke on Earth? I don't know what joke I would tell, but I would give the advice of... If you are someone who has lost a parent or lo a loved one and people ask you about it and the room gets all awkward and uncomfortable, like, oh, I'm so sorry, you just say, it's okay, you didn't kill her. <laughs> and then everything, the mood rebalances. That's something I learned losing my mom at a, a relatively young age because I hate when that it made it awkward and that made it a lot easier for me. And I'm really proud of this book. I'm very critical of myself. I hate almost everything I've ever done. But I feel like if I got hit by a bus, which I hope I don't, I would be still a life well lived because I feel like this book is so important and I'm very, very proud of it. It's a, it's a fantastic book. And because mainly because you're so honest about yourself and your life and why comedy's been Brutally. such a, a help to you, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, it is, it is, and it's hilarious, uh, but you also make so many great points in there. And if you did get hit by a bus, rest assured, I will be the first to crack a joke. Thank you, and I would appreciate that. I absolutely <laughs> would. And yes, I get brutally honest and graphic because I want to make it so clear that when I say you can joke about everything, I mean everything, yeah. no matter how embarrassing, gross, humiliating, or sad. That Given you work with Greg Gutfeld uh, most nights, you couldn't really be any different because that, of course, is exactly what he does. Right. I love when people say you're too mean to Cat over some intro that he does for me that I actually wrote. I, know, I saw that. <laughs> I love that in the book that you write most yeah. of the one-line zingers about yourself. You've given him. Yeah, I'm like, I guess I'm a good actress too because <laughs> a lot of the stuff that people have gotten mad at him about, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with it to the point that I actually wrote it, so you don't need to get offended on my behalf. I think the problem's going to come when very quickly, probably tomorrow, he's going to have to start introducing you as a number one best-selling author. It's going to eat him I alive. I so. Uh, Kat, <laughs> it's a brilliant book. You can't joke about that. Why, everything is funny, nothing is sacred, and we're all in this together. 
Thank you for writing this. We need this kind of book in, in society today. So good luck with it. And I hope you are number one. And I want to see Greg's face when you are. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, on Sunday next, Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab is clinging to his job over bullying allegations. Should he be fired? We'll talk to someone who claims to have been one of the victims of his bullying next. Here's a shower too. Well, some breaking news. It's been reported that charges against the actor Alec Baldwin, all the criminal charges over the fatal shooting of Helena Hutchins on the set of the film Rust, have just been dropped. Extraordinary development. This comes hours after was announced the production of the movie is now resuming with her husband, the late Helena's husband, taking on the role of executive producer. So that's breaking news tonight. I'm joined by Talk TV's international editor Isabel Oshot, Talk TV presenter Richard Tice, and campaigner leader of the True and Fair Party Gina Miller. Well, welcome to all of you. Superstar pack, if ever there was one. Uh, Gina, so I want to start with you because Dominic Raab, his future hangs in the balance. Uh, this report into whether he's a big bully has gone to number 10. Rishi Sunak has spent hours going through it. No decision or announcement based on what he's been reading today. So we expect it tomorrow. You yourself had an experience with Raab, which makes you think he is a bully. Well, they, they're two different things. I've had personal experience where he was a bully to me, but this is in, about, in what way? In so I was um, doing a, a morning a t today program about um, the case that I brought, my first case, and in coming down from the show, in the lift, he basically called me names. Um, like what? Like what? Like um, uh, it can't work out if you're just a silly bitch or oh. um, if you are really? rich. Or if you've got, or you're just naive. He called you a silly bitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or if I was naive. Dominic Ra wow. called you a silly bitch. Yeah. Wow. He was furious. Wow. Well, you came wow. here to defend him. Can no, you defend hang, that? Hang on, hang on. Hang on. So, but, well, hang on. But after that as well, when we next met at another occasion, when we were on, um, we were going for, to another Question Time show, or whatever. And, you know, he then, his behavior was inappropriate as well on that occasion. In what way? And I've written, so he, I was on the show. I was going to be there with Nish Kumar, the comedian who was on. Mm. My brother was there. And, and Rab sort of went up to my brother, who looks nothing like Nish, and said to him, oh, we're on together. And totally ignored me and said, we're on the show together this evening. And my brother said, no, I'm not. Um, you know, we don't look mm. all the same. And Rab sort of looked really embarrassed. And Nish Kumar came out. And he said, well, why didn't you say hello to Gina Miller? You're on the show. She's on the panel with us tonight. And he just looked at me and walked off. And it was just a bizarre mm. way of behaving. I mean, that's sort of weird, inappropriate. The first that thing he said... Yeah. If Dominic Raab, who's Deputy Prime Minister, called you a silly... Well, he wasn't then, obviously. No, he but he is now. He, wasn't, he yeah, is now. now. But, but, if, but I, what I was going to say is it's different, is this behaviour that's going on, this, this report is about him being a boss across not one, but three department, government departments. Yeah, but if that's and the way he spoke to a high-profile woman at the time, privately, he when he doesn't think people are watching... Well, the thing is, I think it's because he saw me as being lesser than himself. Yeah, I think but, that's what... OK, let, okay let me bring in Isabel, because I think you came here to be defensive of him, but when you hear that as a woman, what do you think? It's not even as a woman. I'm just actually shocked. Yeah. So, I mean, I've known Dominic Raab since 2010, since he first came in mm. as a backbench, newly elected Tory MP. 
I have never found him anything other than, at the very least, civil. I think he's a, a, got a very, very strong work ethic. He mm. is a workaholic. I think he demands very high standards of himself and the people who work for him. And I strongly suspect that that results in him sometimes being quite And what do you feel now you've heard and this? And quite demanding. So I was absolutely going to defend him on that basis. If he said that, that is But you can also outrageous. go and how he wrote about me as well and talked about me in Yeah, but that, but that particular yeah, line, but I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's that phrase. Should anyone it? be deputy prime minister who calls women silly bitches? I, I mean, that is indefensible. That's obviously the first uh, I've heard of it. Truly shocking. And uh, one would like to say, frankly, no. I mean, that's just an extraordinary way to carry on with anybody. And what it makes me think, you know, I've always looked at Rob and just thought he always looked permanently angry and has one of those mean faces. That's not enough to judge him or but, convict but, him. But I've always none of it surprises me. I mean, he looks cheerful there, but in a creepy kind of my, Hannibal Lecter way. <laughs> but, but the but what what Gina's just told me, I can quite believe that. No, it's because of my instinct about him I'm, is he is I, like. I, I, I can't believe anybody's behaviour. Yes, like it's that. because. He didn't get it. He was angry. He was. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Jim. What it shows me is. But what it shows me is he's perfectly capable of doing that to you. He's capable of any any of these things. Why why didn't you say anything about it at the time? I mean, that is quite a big story. No, 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 because I was being battled. No, I was being attacked from just about everywhere for for the case. The last thing I wanted to do was bring more attention onto myself. And at the time, I was so stunned when the doors opened um, and uh, came out the lift. I actually couldn't believe somebody had actually just spoken to me. This was at the BBC. Yeah, I was coming down in the lift after the Today programme. What did you say to him? I, I, I didn't say anything because my car came, the, the runner came up and, and sort of said, your car's here, Mrs Miller, and I went off. Is it and possible in the way, And in the way, no, 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 in the way, and the reason I know that is because I've got this thing, a weird habit, I write things down, and right. so I actually have the diary from wow. the time where I wrote but, it down. Have you ever it, talked about this before? Well, not... Not that. Like like this, but, 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 but also, no, I did do an article in The Independent. They checked and I, they got my... They saw my entry. So you didn't include that, that particular um, part? I said, I said that he... Not that particular phrasing, but I mean... I've got to say, that, that to me is a big development in this because it shows to me he's, this is a guy who talks to women like you like that. Uh, that's pretty shocking. Yeah. I mean, I want ministers to be demanding of civil servants mm. to get performance so they're held to account and they deliver for taxpayers who pay their salaries. But we do not want... Ministers behaving like but that, frankly, I'm, with anybody. But what I'm saying is, this is a, is this somebody who, which plays into what Piers is saying, is about this is somebody who, when it's juniors or maybe some people he doesn't see as being on the same levels as, as himself, has a sustained pattern of behaviour. Well, it says to me, he's just a bullying, nasty piece of work and a bully. Which is bullying. It's and, bullying. And so therefore, it makes me think that I mean, let's see what the report says. But there's so many people have there's come so up with similar people. stories. It's like eventually, you know. Can he really be an innocent guy when we just said that? Well, I think Sunak's got a real problem because the thing is, if he if he says no, um, um, you know, Rab stays, there's a whole load of civil servants who are saying that they're going to walk and they could bring individual cases against Rab. So this is not over well, by look, a long way. I think we should obviously see how it all goes, but then maybe reconvene afterwards, maybe yeah. next <laughs> week, because yeah. it's going to be a big story. Yeah. Uh, we've actually run out of time. This was such an enthralling development. Mm-hmm. We ran out of time. What we have got time for is today a very exciting <laughs> development on Piers Morgan Uncensored. In less than a year, it's our first anniversary next week, we have passed one million subscribers to our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which is making us, apparently, the fastest-growing news interview show, not just in this country, but anywhere in the world. So thank you if you're one of our subscribers. There's the live thing there. If you're not one, get on our YouTube <laughs> channel and subscribe. All our great interviews are there, all the great content's here. And we have this wonderful cake here which has been done especially for us. 
<laughs> Here it is. Where's camera one? There we are. Piers Morgan, uncensored, <laughs> one million subscribers. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks to my brilliant digital team who've led the way to Lindsay and Matty. You've done a great job. Thanks to all the Piers Morgan Uncensored team for getting us all the great content. Thanks to my great pack. Happy, happy anniversary next week. Congratulations to us. We're all wonderful.